Hey everybody, welcome back to the Melanated Faith Podcast. And this is a special go off sis episode. We have so much to talk about. I know. But we're going to start off with the most important thing. Catherine, I'm going to my first Beyonce concert. I don't know I, if this means that I'm in the beehive now, but I'm going. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm so excited for you. It's going to be awesome. Like, you know, I am a Beyonce expert. I love her and her concerts are so fun. She always puts on an amazing show. I'm so excited for you. You're going to have a blast. How many concerts have you been to? Um, Let me think. Okay, so on the run, I think I saw, saw twice. Both times they did that. Um, my very first one was the Beyonce experience when she toured for B-Day. Um, and I've seen I saw Formation. And... Maybe like five, five, five or six. Yeah. Quite a bit. I see her every single time. We actually, like my aunt makes fun of me because she is like, why do you give this woman so much money? But Beyonce has like her own (laughs) account. (laughs) Where it's just like, this is in case this. And I feel like ever since like the Beyonce surprise album drop, which I remember exactly where I was in the moment when that album dropped that I just feel like Beyonce Beehive people are like, this woman could decide to like ruin our life (laughs) at any moment. (laughs) So like we try to be responsible and are just like, okay, like because we don't know what's coming. Just So you save money for your concerts. Yes. You should tell that to people on the internet because people basically were selling their kidneys to go to this concert. And I was shook. No, I think you have to decide in advance how much money you're going to spend. Um, so the last three-ish Beyonce, oh yeah, last three Beyonce concerts, I have gone with the same group of women. Um, so we're like experts, connoisseurs. We have conversations when the tour is announced, like how much money we're going to spend. Everybody signs up for like pre-sale, the different pre-sales, you know, <laughs> Um I think it was Formation. She did like a partnership with American Express and my friend Tina asked her mom to borrow her credit card or an American Express. And that's how we got tickets to see that show. Um, So it's good to have like um, a strategy. Like Beyonce tickets require a strategy as someone who goes to a lot of concerts. And you have to be, I think you have to be organized because you don't want to be tripped up where you're like homeless because you spent your rent money on Beyonce tickets. Um, or, you know, selling kidneys or whatever. So, you know, just if you plan it, you know, she's been doing a little bit better because I think this summer she told us all to quit our jobs. So she knew, okay, guys, (laughs) um, you know, I'm going to give you some, a little bit of, of, of leeway. And so we just, yeah. And it like worked out. We're going in New Orleans this year. Usually we go in Houston because we love to see Beyonce in our hometown, um, but this time we decided to just like make it a girls weekend and we're going to go to New Orleans, which is one of my favorite cities, like aside from Beyonce. So I'm really excited and I'm so excited for everybody that's going for the first time. That would be so fun. I love her. Since we're talking about Beyonce, I do want to go off about a persistent conversation about whether or not Beyonce worships the devil. Yeah. Um, she does not. I actually don't know what she worships, Um, but I do think that Christians need to have a better conversation about how we consume pop culture. Um, 
because I don't think, you know, Beyonce is like a singular artist in the sense that like she pulls from like secular or other sort of religious traditions. I mean, I went and saw Taylor Swift this weekend and um, who I also love and <clears throat> sorry. And she has like a whole like she had like a whole segment of her concert where it was giving very much like Wiccan. Um, mm. But I don't think she's encouraging people to be Wiccan. I think it just went with the vibe of Evermore. Mm. Um, the album and so you know I think everybody can discern for themselves there are definitely things that I don't watch or participate in because um, I feel like personally convicted about those things but I'm just always really leery of conversations where it's like every Christian needs to do this every Christian needs to see things the way that I see them or else they're not as good of a Christian as me and I think that there are ways to consume pop culture i think if you believe in something like common grace um that you can see god at work through people through things of any kind um and so i think we should just also to strive to be charitable i think the other thing is like with celebrities like we don't actually know them so you know and i think with like beyonce like multiple times people have her like childhood pastor has been like she's does not worship the devil they're not in the Illuminati Michelle has said she you know she's not worship the devil (laughs) and so you know and I I mean we I just feel really leery of those conversations and also to know that like people have individual conviction and that's fine if you're convicted and you 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 know you feel like you can't listen to Beyonce because it leads you to you know lust or have thoughts about converting to some ancient African tradition, that's fine. And I I totally respect that. And so it's not like a blanket statement, like you need to listen to Beyonce or else. Um, But yeah, I think we should have that same like sort of courtesy about all kinds of things. And there's like not, um, I think, one way to be Christian and there's not one way. um, I'll say there's not one way for Christians to consume pop culture and everyone has like different convictions. And so um, I think maybe rather than like blanket, like don't do this, you know, don't go to Disney, don't listen to Beyonce, you know, pick your poison for lack of a better word, you know, um, teaching people how to like discern well and to be aware of what they're consuming. And then it's like with anything, like chew the meat, throw out the bones. Yeah, you know, as for me in my house, I will be loving Jesus and listening to trap music. So. <laughs> we, we need merch that says, as for me in my house, I'll be loving Jesus and listening to trap music. That is so, I mean, yes. you can, you know, do with that what you will. But I think what you said, Catherine, is just... That's a good word, okay? Yeah. Y'all know Catherine went to divinity school, right? Yeah. Anyway. I'm just like, you know, you can love Jesus with your whole heart and like Beyonce. And, you know, as I think, you know, the thing is like, I think we're really clear to call some things like sin that it's really or, you know, unbiblical or unchristian when we're really just talking about our own personal preferences, or our own personal convictions. And I think being really clear about that. And it's fine to explain to people like your convictions of like why you don't partake in something. Um, but I'm just really can like, you know, this conversation is about Beyonce, but it could be about anything yeah, where we're shaming people or making them feel less than because they don't feel convicted about the same sort of thing. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
I feel like that was one of the one of the main reasons why we wanted to start this podcast anyways was because we wanted to talk about like pop culture. We wanted to talk about things that matter to us. Um, things that might not have been like as popular to, you know, talk about yeah. um as a Christian, but we wanted to just talk about our lives and our humanity, the things that we enjoy. And I just think that's what I really loved. Like we've never shied away from the hard topics. We just dive right into them. Speaking of, there's so many things to go off about. I know. And I I have to go off on this next thing, which is gun control. Yes. For the life of me, I am baffled as to why it is so controversial to talk about gun control and really just talking about taking away these automatic rifles and just saying the words gun control. It's like, oh, you're just a flaming liberal. We need to protect ourselves. Like, I haven't even said any other details about gun control. All I just said was the words gun control. And then it just goes off the rails. I honestly, I was naive when I thought that the Sandy Hook shooting would change the tide in this country because children, children were murdered and that did not change anything and still yet again adults and children murdered in nashville due to gun violence and um people want to make it into many other debates about the lgbtq community and i don't even think this that those, these are two different conversations and it shouldn't even be yeah. a debate about that but of course people are going to use it as a, a reason to be hateful which is still wrong we have a gun control problem in this country yeah that's that's just a fact i mean you can look at statistics about when we had an assault weapons ban and the frequency of school shootings versus post ban that the number and it's like we're not even to your point we're not talking about all guns like so if you like to hunt hunt it up that's probably not what you say but <laughs> clearly we don't hunt. I don't hunt. But I mean, yeah, the, the someone needs an AR-15. That is a military weapon for killing, destroying bodies and lives. And it is actually terrifying to me that the number one cause of death for children nowadays is school shootings. Like that should be ter- school, the place that we say everyone should go to. And like now it's not like public school versus whatever, any kind of school, private school, charter school, public school. You have to educate your children and it's not safe. And that's crazy that we're raising a generation that they're doing these drills, that we're having bulletproof glass at school. I mean, you know, it's just, and I just feel like we have failed as a nation that we have just yeah, to your point, like post Sandy Hook that we've just accepted. Because honestly, guys, that's what it is. Like to say there's nothing we can do about this. Evil people will do bad things. It's just like we, we're we sacrificing our children. We have accepted <laughs> that this is yeah. like the reality that they have to live with. It's upsetting. And then for people to also simply only say, oh, well, it, it's, a, it's a mental health problem. Really? It's just that. It's just a mental health problem, as if access to these automatic rifles can't be stopped. 
And the other um, aspect of this is that most of these mass shootings um, are done or, you know, carried out by white men. People also don't want to talk about that either. And so it's just so frustrating to see time and time again all of these lives lost. And we know for a fact, let that person, let all of these mass shootings be handed out by black and brown people. This would have been over a long time ago. These automatic rifles would have been banned. And it is very, very frustrating to me to see the lack of action from elected officials simply because of the way, you know, the gun lobby and all that other stuff, you know, has gone on and people are, you know, tied to the money that they're getting. It's frustrating. I mean, children, it just, and I think you're absolutely right that a lot of this used to happen and people would say, well, see, see, it's just public school. No, now you're seeing it's not just public school. And I think that's really shaken things up for people because there was this assumption that, You know, it's just our public schools aren't safe enough. We need to militarize them, have a bunch of um, metal detectors and arm the teachers and arm all these people. And that'll fix the problem. We have seen that that has still not fixed the problem. And so, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think even to you, to me, it's like specifically about AR-15s, because I think the thing, even if you go back to like the Uvalde school shooting, the reason why they waited 77 minutes is the police officers themselves were afraid because of the type of weapons that young man had. And so then it's like, if police feel like they cannot act in the ways in which they need to, um, to protect children, like, I just feel like, yeah, like, why do you need that weapon? And I just think, you know, one of the things that really like, I think, would encourage people to read. I think we'll link it in the show notes. Um, Esau Macaulay wrote um, an op-ed for the New York Times, but I also would also encourage people to read um, Stanley Hauerwas, The Peaceable Kingdom, and about Christians. And like one of the things that makes Christianity so kind of revolutionary in some ways is our commitment to nonviolence. Because to me, it's been also alarming the number of Christians that are like tooth and nail, don't take our guns. Yeah. And then I just think like one of the things and I just think about like reading through like Old Testament, um, you know, one of the things that sort of like distinguished Israel from like other um nations in the bible is other nations were willing to sacrifice their children to their gods Mm -hmm. and the fact that we are willing to sacrifice our children we have made a god of ar-15s and violence and to say that it would make us less free country or something that people can't have readily access to this um and it's not to say i even the thing about like you know people will find ways you know in european countries where ar-15s are banned you know they have you know you know, knife crime or whatever. One, a knife doesn't do the same damage and they're not able to kill mass amounts of people with knives, number one. Number two, the idea is not, oh, that all of this violence is going to end with the banning of assault weapons. It's about prevention and limiting the damage. Um, And it's like that, I think that's like Martin Luther King quote where, yeah, the law can't change people's heart, but it can keep someone from being lynched or murdered and making sure, um, you know, because it's like the thing is like all these 
at least I feel like the last three or four, the person has legally been able to purchase an AR-15. And I just feel like yeah. our laws are too lax. Um, oh, I wanted to say one thing about the majority of the shooters and how people are trying to turn this into like a transgender, like LGBTQA thing or whatever. One, that's a distraction. The whole community is not responsible for the actions of one person. Like when we talk about white privilege, this is why this is what we're talking about. Dylan Roof was a white supremacist. We're not we no one is claiming white supremacy or talking about white supremacy's war on Christianity because he went in and killed 12 black people at Bible study. You're not taking responsibility. It's not a war. We're not talking about a, a white man's war on Christianity because of Dylan Roof's actions. Which is right. I'm like to say that, like, that's right. I'm not saying we want like to do that. So then I think part of our responsibility as Christians is like the same charitableness, right? That we would want, we don't want to take, you know, ex- responsibility for extreme elements of Christianity, whether it's the KKK or Dylan Roof or, you know, Matt Walsh or whoever. We don't, we don't, you know what I mean? And so then for, when the shoe was on the other foot to say that this is representative of a whole community, whether it's Muslims or members of the LGBTQ. I mean, to me, that's like so frustrating. And like, I think part of the like issue is people are afraid, like they don't understand. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. But one, work on your own understanding and education. But two, like, don't use this as an opportunity to like, lambast a whole community many of whom are dealing with their own trauma mental health suicidal ideation and not involving and going into schools and shooting children like being a member of that community does not make you want to murder you know christian children at christian schools and so then to say that they're responsible for all of this is just not fair especially when you know you wouldn't want to take the same responsibility for dylan roof as i will say about that Yeah, and I think this is a really good time for everybody to think about how you can contact your representatives, because once again, Sandy Hook happened, Uvalde happened, more children now in Nashville, and we're still stuck with inaction. So I think the last thing on my list I'm going to go off about is really just, this is just a really short, it's just a short little thing. I am not looking forward to the election coming up and all the things that come with the election. Um, I just don't remember the elections being so tense when I was um, younger. And nowadays, oh my gosh, it feels like you're going through like a year of just pure frustration, vitriol. Um, and it's like 20, and, I mean, that started like two years before the election is like not even this year and it's already intense. It's already like, that's what I'm saying. Like the, the, it's the buzz, the feel around it is tough. And then within the Christian community, you know, I'm going to, I'm not even going to lie to you. It's when I feel the most disconnected. Um, because of the comments and the things that I see people saying, even still since 2016, the things people said, the things people stood by. And I am just like, like your character, like, is are these the things that we want attached 
to like who we are and what we believe and why. And so I don't know. There's just so much of this like nationalism, Christian nationalism happening. And it just feels like such a wildfire. And I just feel like the fire seems to be like exploding and burning even more so during election times. And I'm like, gosh, this is just a lot. So anyways, I'm just all I'm saying is I'm not looking forward to it. That's it. Um, Okay, so I'm going to go off. This is going to be controversial. I'm just prefacing this. We love controversy. (laughs) I think Jonathan Majors, who if you don't know who Jonathan Majors is, he was this budding young African-American actor. He's in Creed 3. He's in the new Ant-Man. He was in um, The Harder They Fall, which is on Netflix. And recently he was arrested for assaulting um, a woman we have since learned to be his girlfriend. Um, He was arrested and arraigned and his lawyer immediately was like, he's innocent. This isn't what happened. So, you know, I'm like, okay, benefit of the doubt. You know, I don't know, whatever. Recently, his lawyer released two TMZ text messages, which she says exonerate him. And I'm just going to say, if your lawyer ever publicly releases text messages to TMZ, not that most of us would find us in the situation, run. Because this lawyer, yeah, I think she got her law license out of her Cracker Jacks box because the text messages don't exonerate him. Like, I'll say this as someone who took a class in law school, domestic violence in the law, and just someone who's an advocate for women, if you're in a situation where you touching someone else's, your partner's phone, because she admits that, you know, supposedly it exonerates him because she admits that she tried to grab his phone. And yet the response was to choke her. She was in the hospital for several days. She blacked out. To me, these text messages make him look guilty. And like someone who's abusive, um, this is like a textbook abusive situation. Her saying she doesn't want to press charges. I think, you know, evidence has shown domestic violence victims. It takes like eight to nine times before they leave. Um, You know, I feel like I can't listen to that. And hear that as like an exoneration of his character um the sort of pleading in her text messages like to not be punished to feel like it's her fault those are kind of like textbook situations where you're someone when you're in an abusive relationship where that person makes you feel like you're at fault for their responses and you know i you know he is entitled to his day in court you know, if it goes to court and, but even if it doesn't, I pray that this woman is surrounded by community and love and support. And I just want to say like the toxic conversation that goes around on social media when these kinds of things happen, it just is like a wonder that any woman ever reports any kind of violence, whether it's sexual abuse or domestic violence, because the facts are, it doesn't, you will not be believed. So, you know, the conversation is like, oh, True. because Jonathan Majors, this woman is white, you know, a black woman wouldn't have reported. Guys, that's not a flex. And black women who are in abusive relationships are more likely to be arrested um, because they fight back. And like, uh, there's a huge underreporting. Black women suffer in silence in huge numbers when it comes to these things about domestic violence and sexual assault. And so (laughs) this idea that like, that's not a flex. Like, that's not a flex. Please don't say that. You know, and then it's like, just on the heels of Tory Lanez and Megan Thee Stallion and the ways in which Megan was treated online. You, it, it, it doesn't matter the race of the woman. You literally do not believe women. 
And it's in the message that you're sending. If these people who are famous, who you don't know, you these are the things you're saying. I guarantee you there are people that you do know that see those messages and are choosing to suffer in silence because they know they will be ridiculed, they will not be believed, and the abuse will continue. And I just, for all of us as a society, to self-reflect on what kind of community and what kind of people we want to be when women and children and people who are vulnerable are suffering (laughs) to then make jokes or make light of it. It's just, I'm, it's just really disheartening, okay? Like, it's just really disheartening. It's very serious. These, these, it's very traumatic for people. I just, I'm praying she gets, you know, the support that she needs, that she has family and friends that are around her that believe her and encouraging her. And even for Jonathan Majors, I pray that he gets the help that he needs, that it's not just for him about a career, saving a career, but really and truly, like, whatever happened, being a better partner and not being in those kinds of situations. But it literally, I'm like watching the tweets and I'm just like, what is wrong with us as a society? Like, I just, not that Twitter is like the best judge of like people's character, but it's just like whenever these things happen, the the conversation online, it's just like- Guys, you don't know Megan, you don't know Tori, you don't know Jonathan Majors, you don't know this woman. But, like, someone you do know, like, the statistics prove, statistically, you do know someone who has been assaulted or abused. And, like, you making jokes about it or making light of it, you're sending them a message about what kind of person you are. So I just wanted to go off about that and say, guys, no, 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 don't make jokes online when abuse situations come to light. Yeah, I think... I think when you're talking about like situations of abuse, it's very, very sensitive. And I think the culture that we have online, it lends towards very casual commentary. And so I think what you're saying is a good reminder for all of us just to be mindful of how we say things online or just choose not to say things like some things like just keep your mouth closed. You can always choose silence. I love that. You know. We so. don't know, so you can, you, you can choose to be silent. Okay, I do want to do, so that was my mess. I do, I have two blesses. Okay, I want to bless Shrinking on Apple TV. I love this show. I didn't think it was going to be for no, me. I haven't started that. Oh my gosh, I'm like obsessed. It's like a comedy, dramedy, I don't know. Dramedy, dramedy. yeah. Yes, um, but it's so engaging. Like you just kind of fall in love with the characters and- um, Harrison Ford is like everything top-notch casting. Whoever picked him, perfect. No notes. Um, and then the other thing I would love to bless is my friends, including Faith, who just this has been like a really difficult season for our family. And I just felt very loved and supported. I bought a new house. Some friends have, you know, decided they want to have like a registry and like buy little things for the house. I've had meals sent. Um, just like encouraging, I'm praying for you text messages, even, um, checking in and that really, those things really do matter. So I'm thankful for my friends and I would love to bless them. And I hope that everyone is surrounded by a community where you feel loved and supported when you're going through difficult times. You know what? 
I love that you said all of these things, and it reminded me that I said only messy things, and I didn't bless anything. Oh, yeah, so. you need to bless. You need to bless. But there's a lot of mess. Faith, I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of mess. There is a lot of mess. Well, your bless is you're going to Beyonce for the first time. Yeah, that is true. My bless is I'm going to Beyonce, and, um, and then my bless will also be um, something good and an announcement from us. My bless is that... Um, I've just loved the Melanated Faith podcast and I've loved laughing and sharing all of this space with you. It's been like one of the highlights, I would say, of my life and in this season of life. And this is going to be our last season. Yeah, guys. This is the news. Yeah. Moment of silence. Okay, we're done now. Yeah. No, I think, yeah, we're, this will be our last season. Um, I think, you know, both of us have just had a lot of life changes. And as, as much as we love the podcast and I love laughing with Faith and hearing you guys' feedback, like, it's just such a joy when people are like, oh, I heard this episode and it really mattered and meant something to me. Like, I mean, that, honestly, that is what I wish for everyone to do something meaningful that matters and to have people say thank you and express gratitude like guys Mm -hmm. we have so much gratitude for you guys and like this has been such a joy um yeah to like pour into each other to pour into our listeners um yeah it's like we're not sad because it's over we're joyful because it happened (laughs) and we had this community um but yeah like you know things change in life. And I think Faith, you know, we were having the conversation about kind of like where we wanted to go about ending well and wanting to like leave people wanting more um, rather than just kind of, um, yeah, like just like fizzling out. We just really wanted to end well. I think that's an important part. Like the beginning, people put a lot of emphasis on the beginnings, but I think endings matter too. Um, And so, yeah, guys, this, this, these are our last few episodes and we have loved it and we want to express our gratitude for you guys. And so we will be talking to you all soon to the next few episodes. We'll be sharing a little bit more about our hearts and reminiscing over the past four years of um, podcasting together and ending on a high note, sharing with you all some of our favorite episodes and things of that nature. But This episode isn't the final one. So we're going to leave you for now and um, we'll talk to y'all soon. Yes. And okay, since this is the last episode, please feel free to tell your friends or share with us in the, you know, message us. Let us know your favorite episodes or a moment that mattered. And maybe we'll include you guys kind of in the last show as a celebration of Melanated Faith. Thanks, guys. Bye.